Good evening, Boston. Welcome to BNN News. I'm Faith Amaphidon. Thanks for tuning in. Residents were dreaming of a white Christmas this year at the annual Fenway Christmas tree lighting. On Wednesday, Christmas spirit was in the air as people celebrated the season at the Fenway Christmas tree lighting. Christmas lovers gathered around the tree, feeling the glee that the holiday season brings for so many, especially as communities reunite after nearly three years since the start of the pandemic. Being in a place like this just fills you with hope and it fills you with um, the fact that we're all together again and that's, um, that's you can't ask for anything more than being able to gather again and that's, um, you know, that's hope for the coming year. Holiday excitement lit up the faces of community members, with students and residents coming together to spread hope and Christmas cheer during these challenging times. I definitely feel like there's hope in the air. Being here is just so joyful and creates just so much of a Christmas spirit that is just so exciting to see and experience here alone or with your friends and with your family. It's just so nice to have that hope and to always think about the future and how much positivity there can be in such negative times. The tree lighting is an annual tradition organized by the Fenway Civic Association, and they're proud to bring the spirit of the holiday season to Bostonians. So when the lights do come on, you finally see the illumination, you finally see all the people around you, you see their faces, you see the kids' faces, you see the excitement, and on other people's faces, you see the joy. And it's that shared joy, that's those shared moments. I think that's what it's really all about. Parishioners found faith, music, and diversity this holiday season as they came together at the Resurrection Lutheran Church concert on Sunday. Live music flooded the room as congregants and visitors filled the pews for Sundays celebrating our diversity in God through music concert at Resurrection Lutheran Church in Roxbury. All day, all night, angels watching over me, my All were welcome to enjoy the talented singers and musicians who came from a variety of denominations and diverse backgrounds.
Church member and concert organizer Patricia Courtney saw the event as an opportunity to re-energize members who struggled during the past two years. All churches, all denominations, I think across the country, uh, have suffered through the pandemic. Some places more than others. But we think this is the first step on the road to not only recovery, but building and being a stronger congregation. It's not healthy from a mental health position. It is not, human beings were not meant to be completely isolated. They just not, we like other people around us. Patricia hopes this first time concert can become a tradition. For Jim Wright and his daughter Clara, playing cello is already a shared pastime. My wife actually said our kids are going to play the cello because you played the cello and we can practice at home. So it's just an opportunity to, for her to take lessons and to, for, for us to work together. My dad introduced it to me um, and then, I, and then um, I found it very interesting. Age may be just a number, but it's an accomplishment when you've lived as long as these two ladies who were honored at the Shelburne Community Center in Roxbury. A hidden gem lives in Roxbury, and her name is Gwendolyn E. Keith. She's 106 years old. I was born in Newton, Massachusetts, at the Newton Wellesley Hospital. June 14, 1916. Those who know her affectionately call her Miss Gwen. Right before the Thanksgiving holiday, Miss Gwen and 92-year-old fellow Roxbury resident Myrtle T. Cruz were honored in a special luncheon at Shelburne Community Center. Their lives, a testament of determination and community service, were celebrated as their families watched with pride. Myrtle was awarded the Bishop James Augustine Healy Award for effective leadership and service within the Black Catholic community. Myrtle is also a member of the Associates of the Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. Even at 92 years old, Myrtle still checks in on her friends and family and remembers all of their birthdays. For reaching the remarkable age of 106, and for your commitment to our community and the community of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Given the 19th day of November 2022, from Ayana Presidents, your Congresswoman. Congratulations, Grandma. The women have lived nearly 200 years. BNN News can only imagine the sights they've seen. Miss Gwen is the feature of a BNN short documentary that will air later on the channel. Powerhouse duo Mayor Michelle Wu and Governor-elect Maura Healey met for the first time Tuesday to collaborate on ways to improve our city and state. 
In a united front on City Hall, Mayor Michelle Wu and Governor-elect Maura Healey held a press conference on Tuesday. Prior to their talk, the women met for their first private meeting since Healey's win in the midterm elections. Many eyes are on the leaders as they tackle the most pressing issues impacting the Commonwealth, from homelessness to climate change. Despite policy differences, Wu and Healey remain committed to city and state collaboration. It was interesting in speaking because so many of the issues that we confront at a state level are issues that the city of Boston confronts as well. And I think our ability to talk through and work through and think through solutions on climate and resiliency, on housing, on transportation, on substance use disorder and taking care of folks, um, as well as on workforce yeah. and the impact of, of, of COVID and, and what it's meant for workforce. Uh, I am uh, really, really excited. Mayor Wu and I have worked together for many years now in different capacities, and I'm really excited about the opportunity to partner and to work with Mayor Wu and her team going forward. O.B. Gray is a marketing professional with degrees from Howard University and Columbia. His work at Proximity Help Solutions focuses on client management and business development. His most recent project is hosting a series of educational, non-commercial seminars focused around lupus patients and treatment. The seminar, which takes place on December 14th, provides patients and caregivers with support networks, education on care, and encouragement for lupus patients to participate in clinical trials. Here's our conversation. Uh, can you share the mission and goals of Proximity Health Solutions? Sure. Uh, Proximity Health Solutions uh, mission is to improve the health outcomes of underrepresented uh, populations. Uh, and, you know, that's our sole mission and goal. We do that in several ways. Um, we do that through uh, helping to support uh, increased participation of underrepresented populations uh, in clinical trials. And when I say underrepresented populations, I'm talking about people of color uh, and women, uh, specifically as it relates to clinical trials. Um, one of the ways that we execute um, those types of programs and achieve our mission is through uh, developing and uh, executing a series of uh, non-commercial educational seminars uh, seminars designed to educate um, patients on a disease state, educate patients on what clinical trials are all about, uh, try to build trust in clinical trials, and try to encourage uh, people to at least investigate the merits of a clinical trial uh, given their health situation. Next Wednesday, December 14th at 6.30 p.m., Proximity Health Solutions is holding a Dine and Learn seminar on lupus at the Roxbury YMCA. Can you talk briefly about what this seminar will cover and what other services you provide to educate underrepresented groups? Uh, sure, Faith. Uh, the, the seminar covers, um, well, first of all, the seminar will be delivered by an expert panel that's headed by a local physician, Dr. Mia Chandler. Uh, who is affiliated with uh, Children's Hospital at Brigham and Women's uh, Hospital. And uh, she will be leading the seminar. Along with uh, Dr. Chandler will be patient advocates uh, from the local area who uh, have experience with lupus, and they will share their experiences uh, with the disease. Uh, the seminar will cover information that includes um, education about lupus, 
to help people understand what the disease is, how many people are affected by the disease, um, some of the symptoms of the disease, to help people understand that there are, that the causes for the disease are not you know are not fully known. Uh, and also help people understand some of the risk factors that are associated with the disease. Importantly, the seminar will cover the, uh, the fact that uh, African-American women are, are disproportionately impacted by lupus. Uh, the incidence of lupus among African-American women is two to three times higher than the incidence of lupus among the general population. And uh, the the impact or the symptoms of lupus among African-American women are much more severe um, than, uh, than that of the general population. Uh, in, in addition to uh, the educational programs that, um, that, or as an addition to the educational programs that I mentioned that Proximity um, uh, Health Solutions delivers, we also, um, we deliver these ex educational programs through a combination of uh, marketing uh, efforts that includes seminars, webinars, and other in-person educational events. All of our programs are educational in focus. They are non-commercial, and they serve to you know, educate uh, consumers on a disease state, on clinical trials, and on the importance of underrepresented populations participating in clinical trials. There are some startling numbers when it comes to lupus. Nine out of 10 sufferers are women. Uh, you also mentioned that people of color are underrepresented in clinical trials. Why is that? And what are some common misconceptions about clinical trials? Uh, lupus is an is a, uh, autoimmune uh, disease that affects the body uh, in a fashion that, um, you know, prevents um, the body oftentimes from fighting uh, off infections uh, in the body. So uh, it is a disease that, uh, that there is no known, known cure for. Uh, it's a disease that is oftentimes uh, misdiagnosed or, very, um, or diagnosed very late, um, you know, uh, compared to other diseases. In many cases, the, the time before the experiencing symptoms from lupus and the final diagnosis might very well be four to five years. Um, so it is a it is a disease that uh, impacts all people, but as I said before, it impacts African American women much more severely. Hmm. And for the seminar itself, what can attendees expect? Well, they can expect a uh, a presentation uh, by an expert panel. Uh, that consists of a medical professional uh, from here in the Boston area who's, a, who's affiliated with, um, with, a, you know, with a hospital in Boston. Um, and uh, the expert panel also consists of patient advocates, people from the local area who have experience with lupus. And the content of the presentation uh, will be uh, content that covers, um, you know, uh, what the disease is all about. Uh, so it gives them basic information about lupus the incidence of lupus. It provides information in terms of how you can better manage your lupus. It provides information about the importance of a care team. Uh, and it also provides information that is, uh, is useful in terms of helping an individual identify additional resources to find out more about lupus. In addition to talking about lupus, 
the presentation also focuses on uh, clinical trials uh, with the objective of trying to educate uh, the audience uh, on the importance of clinical trials uh, in general, um, the importance of clinical trials and, and participation in clinical trials among people of color because you know, the underrepresentation of people uh, of color in clinical trials can have an impact on the uh, effectiveness and the safety of a new medication that comes to market because if we are underrepresented under in clinical trials, we don't necessarily, um, we, we are not, the, the projections in terms of whether or not a drug is useful, um, you know, they, they aren't reflective of the, general, of, of the population as a whole. And in regard to the clinical trials, what are some of, uh, in regard to the clinical trials, what are some of the reasons why underrepresented um, groups such as blacks, Latinos are underrepresented when it comes to the trials? And what are some of the misconceptions that people hold about them? Right. Um, uh, the reasons are, there are multiple reasons that um, people of color uh, and others, and women also, are, can be included in the underrepresented population. But one of the reasons for um, underrepresentation in clinical trials is the lack of awareness. Oftentimes we are not aware that a clinical trial exists for a, uh, for a medication or a treatment that's uh, being contemplated uh, coming to the marketplace. Uh, the, but probably the most important reason for um, underrepresentation uh, in clinical trials is the lack of trust that many consumers and patients have in uh, the medical community and the whole clinical trial concept. And that lack of trust, trust stems from uh, the Tuskegee experiences, the exp Tuskegee experience. And a lot of black people know about that and are familiar with that. And uh, because of that, I think that is, it has caused it has made trust one of the biggest barriers for lack of participation, lack of interest in participation in clinical trials. Hmm. And yet clinical trials are one of the major ways that advancements are being made in research and uh, the drugs and medicine that you mentioned earlier. Absolutely. In order for any drug or treatment uh, to get any for in order for any prescription drug or treatment to get to the marketplace, it has to go through the clinical trial process. And the purpose of clinical trials is to really evaluate the effectiveness of a drug and the safety of a drug. Uh, and uh, it's a very rigorous process, uh, and it's a process that has been uh, honed over the years, and it's really critical and fundamental for these trials to happen and very critical uh, for, uh, for all people to be represented in clinical trials in the same way that they are represented in, the general, in, the, in our population. Absolutely, and finally, how can our viewers learn more about the Lupus Seminar on December 14th and attend if they so choose? They can go online to, uh, to lupus underscore Boston underscore seminar dot eventbrite dot com. Uh, if they go to that website, they'll be able to find out more information about the seminar in terms of not only its location, but its time. Uh, and it provides a little, little bit of information about the subjects 
the subjects that are being covered in the in the seminar, and importantly, they can register to um, to attend the seminar. The Front Porch Arts Collective is bringing a big laughs for their first self-produced show at the Modern Theater opening tonight. Douglas Lyons' Chicken and Biscuits is a raucous comedy about a family in mourning who just can't seem to get along. Award-winning actor Jackie Parker stars in the play, and her talents are supported with a phenomenal cast. Chicken and Biscuits actor Robert Cornelius and co-producing artistic director Maurice Emanuel Parent joined us to talk more about the exciting Boston debut. Chicken and Biscuits is making its regional debut in Boston at the Modern Theater on December 9th. It's also the first self-produced play from Front Porch Arts Collective. So I'd love to, to know why Chicken and Biscuits? What about this story resonated with you? Why Chicken and Biscuits? I saw it in New York uh, when it was on Broadway and was just bowled over by uh, the experience. And it was a story about black family, black love, and, uh, but it had some really um, uh, interesting conversation pieces that were part of the storytelling that I think uh, black audiences will really connect with and other audiences who maybe don't identify as black will also connect with some of the themes that are woven into this family drama but, and, and comedy because at this time, we're about family, we're about togetherness and this show is really centers around that and that's why we knew this was a show to, to be our first solo production and to really share with Boston audiences at this time of the year. There's a lot of momentum and really great first around your theater company and this play. Front Porch Arts Collective is a new black theater company in Boston, founded in 2016. The play Chicken and Biscuits, written by Douglas Lyons, made a really big stir on Broadway last year in 2021 as one of seven new plays written all by black playwrights. I would love for you to speak about the importance of producing playwrights of color and having a dedicated black theater uh, featuring black and brown artists. Thank you for that question. You know, black culture is American culture, right? Black culture is strong, is vibrant, and is very specific to folks who identify as part of the African diaspora. It's also relatable to people who maybe don't identify. And the importance, we know we stand on the shoulders of giants. Black theater goes back in uh, the Boston area to the 1920s. You know, there's this long, beautiful heritage of, of, of uh, black storytelling, black theater in this area, and we're so proud to be part of that legacy. And um, to say we are a black theater company, a place like Boston is unique for me, uh, is very unique in this area and different than where it would be anywhere else in the nation. Because the black community here in Boston is so diverse. You know, there's, uh, when you say black culture in this area, there's people from Africa, there's people from the Caribbean, there's people who are African American and, and, and multiracial and biracial people, and all identify as part of the diaspora. Uh, a theater company that uh, celebrates that beautiful uh, diversity of the diaspora, of course, makes sense in a place like Boston. And Robert, I'd love to bring you into the conversation. You are fresh from your turn as Benham Walker in Huntington Theater's Joe Turner's Come and Gone, which was fabulous, by the way. But you are here in this show as Reginald Mabry, husband to Benita Jenkins Mabry, who's played by the esteemed local actress Jackie Parker. Can you talk to us a little bit about your character and how you stepped into the world of the show? What parts of yourself did you find yourself really leaning into to play Reginald? That's a great question. Uh, yeah, I, um, 
it's a funny it's a funny thing. I, I, I feel like the, the one connection between Joe Turner and Bynum and, and the character from this play is spirit, spirituality and and faith and family and those sorts of things. And so it's interesting. Well, yeah, I grew up in the church. I grew up in church. I, you know, we went every Sunday. My dad was in the choir, and you know, when I was six years old, they, you know, he used to give me a quarter for somebody winked at me from the choir stand to keep me awake. So that's how <laughs> that's how I got my religious education. But it's just so it's 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 honoring the, those traditions from my family is really important. It's you know, it's a. Um, because you 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 remember your, your spirituality and the and the rituals that you have as a family and what that means to you and so it's it's great to be able to tell stories like that. And this question's for the both of you. What's at the core of this play? What do you hope that your audiences take away from performances? It centers black joy. I think in a time when we really need to uplift and come together around black joy black togetherness, black family, and not in relationship to oppression or not in relationship to whiteness or anti-blackness. It's literally how beautiful a black family is. It's a slice of life play. We get to get a glimpse into this uh, family dynamics. It has some drama, has some comedy, has a lot of comedy, and has characters that you all relate that we all can relate to because maybe there's some people in the family that's a little bit like so-and-so, <laughs> you know? You will be able to recognize some right? people in the suitcase, for sure. It just is like in 2022 when we have so much on our shoulders, so much in our uh, political landscape, so many things that are really pulling at our souls and our spirits and maybe not the best ways, a time where we can come together and celebrate black, black joy. And, and, and the show also, like, like, you, like we mentioned, has some interesting points. It has some tough moments of, yes. of you know, some, some conflict. So it's a really great, you know, realistic view of, uh, of, how, of the dynamics of a black family. But there and, is so much joy. And there's so much joy, yeah. right? And it's relatable to um, uh, uh, black families and families who maybe aren't even black, but it really centers black joy and togetherness. And I'm, I'm so excited. I'm honored that you're in it. You know, we were both, you know, when I saw him, it, uh, I'll tell the truth. He uh, opened his mouth at the first read. So I was also in Joe Turner's as an actor. Uh, when he started reading Bynum's lines, I said, I called my business. I was like, okay, we need to uh, call. He needs to come because he's perfect. He's perfect for the role. Already so, casting. <laughs> it was great. It was, it was. So you, never, you always have to have the different hats on. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. Never take it, was, it was a surprise, but it was really great, yeah. you know. And what is the story of Chicken and Biscuits? I'd love for you to tell us a little bit without giving too much away. So the story of Chicken and Biscuits, without giving away too much, uh, it centers around a black family, a church family, and they uh, gather for the funeral of the patriarch of the family. He's the uh, lead minister of this church. He has some daughters who each have their own family, so they come together and send him off with, from, uh, uh, with the proper respects. And um, hilarity and drama ensues. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Was that good? That's good without, 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 without revealing too much. Yes, that's oh, good. great. And what's next for Front Porch Arts Collective? How can our viewers support the theater and see future performances? Thank you. Up next, we have a, a reading series of uh, some uh, plays all written by black playwrights. Uh, some of them very brand new. Uh, one of them is a musical written by Lovely Hoffman uh, around, about Nina Simone. She's a local mm. black uh, singer and actress. And uh, that'll be mostly the uh, Boston Center of the Yards, but in some other locations. All that information is available on frontporcharts.org. And then on stage, we are co-producing the play K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Mm. And we spell it out yes, specifically, yes, like indeed. the song. Yes, yes. Uh, it's written by a uh, Massachusetts uh, black playwright, uh, Linnell Moise, uh, who was originally from Cambridge. And uh, that will be on stages in March at the Huntington.
All right. Maurice Emanuel Parent, co-producing artistic director of Front Porch Arts Collective and Robert Cornelius, seasoned actor of stage and screen. Thank you both so much for being here in the studio and break legs with the show. Thank you for tuning in, Boston. As a reminder, you can stream or watch the news on demand at 9.30 p.m. and 11 p.m. on Xfinity Channel 9, Astound Channel 15, and Fios Channel 2161. And make sure to check out our BNN HD Xfinity Channel 1072. For BNN News, I'm Faith Amaphidon. I'll see you next week.